0: Welcome to the University of the Gods podcast. This lesson is How to Avoid What You Don't Want, The Relationship Between Desire and Circumstances. Hi students, and welcome to our lesson about avoiding what you don't want and creating a life out of what you do. This lesson is dedicated to all of the people who will be saved by the demigods listening today to this podcast, meaning you you will dream big turn your dreams into reality and turn around and help many people you being inspired leads to a better world now this lesson is a continuation in what i'd like to call foundations in godhood where we talk about how to harness the power of our own godhood and live as creators now let's bring that out of the ethereal and into the practical we're going to talk about the relationship between what you want and what you get gods At their nature, our creators, we have created our life after the manner of our thinking, our beliefs, and most of all, what it is that we want. Or in the case of many, many people who haven't figured out what they want, we've created our lives out of what we don't want or avoiding what we don't want, but it still has a whole lot of what we don't want in it. Let me clarify. For many people, we say don't want to feel stupid, so we don't take risks. And we do things that will help us to not embarrass ourselves. For example, we don't want to be unemployed because we don't want to be poor or be ashamed that we're one of those people who live in their mom's basement. So we get a job, but only in line with our beliefs. So we only look for the kind of job we think we can get. You know, so like if we have a credential in editing, we'd never dream of looking for a job in international sales because we just wouldn't think of it. Even if it would be a total match for a personality and we only look for the amount of money we think we can get away with, you know, that would give us the ability to maintain the highest standard of living we feel we can get. So it's not ideal. It's not great. It's not what we want, but Hey, we're employed, right? And it's just that we don't want the alternative, you know, being unemployed more. And so this is what our life has become as a result. All of it is creation, meaning we've created our life from our brain programming combined with our nature as gods, but we've created a life out of avoiding the things we think would be shameful or uncomfortable instead of creating based on design and what we do actually want. But gods are not people who live a life of defaults. We are a people who live a life of design, and in order for us to be able to design anything, we first need to know what it is we want to make. So students, what do you want? Like, what do you really, really want? And don't dream small. You are gods. You can have anything that you want. You just have to want it more than you don't want to be uncomfortable. You are limitless. Now, let's address that for a moment before going on. I love advances in medical technology. I think it is so cool that we are on track to print working human organs. Once that's perfected, it will save many lives. The people who dreamed that up didn't dream small and i could imagine some of them going to their friends and family and saying yeah so i'm going to print a working human organ and having people be like ah, not to throw water on your fire but that might not be a-. no they didn't listen to people who thought it was impossible they went forward and now it is just right around the corner we have robots exploring mars we pack people into airplanes and fly them across oceans and it's not even impressive anymore I mean, human flight at its inception was no small dream. Everyone owns a cell phone. But I mean, you think about this. We hold a little box in our hand and we communicate instantly with a person all the way on the other side of the planet. And we get mad if there's even a slight delay in communications. Small dreams are not necessary. We can dream big and make it happen. All of these ideas are crazy. They're the kinds of ideas where, you know, before becoming reality, people might be like, yeah. No, but nothing is impossible. From there, it's just a matter of becoming the kind of person who can pull it off. Our godhood is inherent. We can't help but create. We can't not. It's in our nature as demigods experimenting with our very real, ever present powers. We are limitless. Dream big. And this brings us back to the question, what do you want? And it's okay to want to put something on Mars. That's amazing. All right. We need to take a moment to discuss the psychology of this a little bit further. You know, especially for those of you... Oh, um, I should explain this. The University of the Gods has a dual mission. One, build the individual, and two, build the builder. So for those of you of us who are builders, I call it, I call us soul builders. And I'll introduce that into the branding later. For some of us, it's not enough to grow and do great things. I mean, for us, our greatest joy comes from helping others to grow and do great things. You know, so our lessons will be encompassing enough to do both. Build the individual and build the builder. All right. So for those of us who are builders, here's the psychology. The universal answer for what do you want is always comfort. Why do people do what they do? Comfort. That's it. We're either seeking comforts or trying to minimize discomforts. You know, and then from there, it's just a matter of flavor. So when you're looking at people's behavior, it's always about comfort. Now, we will discuss this at length over the course of our lessons. People have a duality. We have a part of us that is universal or common to every other person. And then we have a part that is fiercely individual. Now, for now, we will address the universal. You know, the comfort being the root of all behavior. So whenever we talk to people and ask what they want, the immediate answer is always comfort. That is what people want. That's the default. It's universal to everyone. What do you want? Comfort. I want to feel good or feel better or avoid bad feelings. And this is the root of all behavior. People go through what I've termed the comfort calculation. You'll hear it by different names like a cost-benefit or risk-reward analysis, you know, or weighing the pros and cons. It's all essentially the same thing. People ask themselves, what will give me the greatest benefit for the least amount of effort? And the answer to that question ends up being our behavior every time. The universal motivation for everything is comfort. It's just comfort. Okay, bear with me through this next part for a moment while I explain the universal comforts and discomforts. The universal comfort is satiation, meaning having everything that we need, we're satisfied. Now, aside from body pains, the universal discomfort is unfulfilled want. Now, to make this all make sense, I'm going to go on a little tangent. Follow me because this is structure needed for communications later. All information has a structure that it fits in. I'll use color to, to illustrate this structure. There's an infinite number of colors, right? One part yellow, one part blue, one part yellow, two parts blue, one part yellow, you know, into infinity. We can mathematically do infinity between yellow and blue. We have infinite shades of green, infinity everywhere when it comes to colors. But all of infinity is routed through building blocks. You know, in here, it's just three building blocks of red, yellow, and blue, our primary colors. And those building blocks come from one single thing, pure white light. Inside of pure white light is infinity, but it's still one thing. Now, this structure is everywhere. You can find it everywhere. There are an infinite number of substances. All of the infinite substances possible come from the primary colors, if you will, of substance of um, elements. And the white light of substance is basically just one thing, the circumstance-specific behavior of proton, neutrons, and electrons. So everything that you see in the physical world around you, the infinite possibilities, all come from elements. And all of the elements, all atoms, are made out of behavior, actually. The circumstance-specific behavior of protons, neutrons, and electrons. It's this three-tiered structure. It's as though all truth is basically circumscribed into one great whole, that of origin and extrapolations. Once we can see the structure, we can understand anything. Stick with us and in time we'll help you to see it where it's second nature to you. And this will be very, very handy for everything. Now, the reason I mention it is because this same structure is also found in many of the principles of psychology. Comfort is the white light, if you will, of want, motivation and behavior. The primary colors is something that I've turned into an acronym that I call the B primes. It's a conglomerate of all of the universal wants or needs of humanity. I'll summarize it quickly and we'll, we'll discuss this at length later. So you don't have to memorize it now, but the B is for body. Um, meaning we do what we do because our body asks us to do it. The P is for power or autonomy or freedom. You know, we'll do whatever it takes to have power and freedom. The R is for relationships. We'll find a way to relate or connect to others. The I is for importance. We need to matter. We need significance. We can't not be important. We'll find a way. Even if it's piety and going around screaming about how we're not important, it's still it makes us matter. The M is for movement. Other people have called this growth or stimulation or variety, but it's basically the same thing. We need, to, we, we need to grow to move. The E is for expressions. We need to feel what we feel, and if our feelings don't come out, they kind of poison us. And the S is for safety or stability. So body, power, relationships, importance, movement, expression, safety, B primes. Okay. And again, I will address this at length um, in, in later lessons. But for now, I need you to know that it exists because it's the these are the primary colors of human behavior. All of our comforts are routed through one of those B primes, and usually it's a combination of them. So to give an example, to make this a little clearer, why did we do that? We were feeling the need to matter. That's the I for importance and the B primes that need the need to be important was uncomfortable. So, I've now tossed my desk and everybody in the class is staring at me. I feel better and perhaps it's not ideal, but it's the greatest benefit It makes me very important in that moment for the least amount of effort. All I had to do was toss a desk and now I am the center of the universe. Or why did we do that? Well, we were feeling the need for connection. That's the R and the B primes for relationships. That need was uncomfortable, the need for connection. So we went to a politically charged social media site, took a blowtorch to the comments section with an opposing point of view, and now we'll have hours and hours of arguments. It's not ideal, but it's the greatest benefit for the least amount of effort. You know, if we were looking for connection in a way that we're sure we'll get a response, you go start a fight and people will fight with you for forever on the internet. Or one more, why did we do that? Well, our bodies were desperately tired to the point of losing our ability for rational thoughts. Our kids were an energy drain, an already drained set of nerves, tiredness is uncomfortable, so we threaten everyone within an inch of their life, and now we're sitting sullenly on the couch watching TV while the rest of the household whimpers in their rooms. It's not ideal, but it's the greatest benefit for the least amount of effort. Now. In time with these podcasts, all of you will be able to see behavior in terms of the B primes, and it'll give you the ability to heal stressed situations, you know, and guide yourselves and others to be ideal. And we'll discuss this pattern over and over again in our lesson. So don't worry if that was kind of fast. Um, we will cover it just for now. Know it, know it exists. Um, the wants, the B primes are universal to all people. You know, and from there, how a person addresses the B primes and their desire for comfort, all that's a matter of flavor, and that's where the individuality comes in. The B primes are universal, but how we address them is, you know, individual. So, comfort is the white light of behavior, motivation, and want. The B primes are the primary colors of behavior, motivation, and want, and from there comes the infinite behavior possibilities. So, Human behavior fits this three-tiered organization model of origin, building blocks and infinite possibilities. Just like color is white light, primary colors and infinite possibilities and so on. And the reason I point this out is to start to build a foundation and scaffolding in your minds on which to hang information. I need a way that I can communicate with you. The university of the gods is very serious about helping people truly own their godhood, but it means I need to construct a language so that we can communicate principles. And so for now, I, you don't have to do anything. Just be patient with the additional information, and it will all come together in time. Um, now that we have a con- what is that? Now that we have a context, origin, um, building blocks, and in infinity, let's untangle infinity. Gods are infinite, so we would do well to be able to navigate infinity with grace. Okay. There are an infinite number of want flavors and an infinite variety of lives that can be made from our wants. When we ask people what they want, the the default answer is that they want to avoid anything that would make them uncomfortable, or they want to pursue anything that would add to their comfort. But when I ask people what they want, they almost immediately answer with what they don't want. And when we look at their life situation, it is an exact match for the philosophy of balancing and avoiding all of the things that they don't want. They're not living in abundance. They're doing their version of scraping by because they don't want to be homeless or hungry or ashamed. But at the same time, they don't want to deal with the discomforts of learning good financial practices. Or they're not living in health, they're doing their version of surviving because they don't want to be sick or too out of shape or ashamed, but at the same time, they don't want to deal with the discomforts necessary for learning good health and fitness practices. Or they're not living in safe and secure relationships, but instead are engaging in power struggles and contests of significance. Who's more important? I'm going to make sure it's me by proving to you that I'm better than you and my unhappiness is your fault. You know, but only to the level that we dare go, because after all, we're not savages. It's not ideal, but, you know, we don't want to deal with the discomforts necessary for learning good relationship skills. What do people want? More money, more energy, more love, less work, meaning less responsibility. And what's the outcome of this philosophy? And the answer is their current circumstances. I, I keep jumping back and forth between there and our, I apologize, um... I kind of feel that it applies because it's universal, it applies to all of us. Now, part of the reason people don't have a ready answer for what do you want is that wants are uncomfortable, or at least they can be. In the comfort calculation, the greatest benefit for the least amount of effort is to not want too much. Then you don't have to try as hard and it doesn't hurt when you fall short. And the great hack, if you will, to the comfort calculation is time. The comfort calculation is pretty bad at taking time into account because a lot of time when we think greatest benefit, we're thinking about right now. So I teach this principle by talking about the dishes. Doing the dishes is uncomfortable. What is the greatest benefit for the least amount of effort? Leaving the dishes in the sink and doing them later. The benefit, we don't have to do the dishes. We can go watch TV or whatever the effort. You just drop them in the sink. You know, but next time now it's not just a plate and a fork and a cup. After the next meal, what's the greatest benefit for the least amount of effort? Obviously, the effort now would be greater because there are more dishes to do, you know, and so that means it would take more time and more energy. It's energy expensive. That makes the benefit of dropping the new dishes into the sink seem even higher. We just avoided even more work. You know, only now the overall quality of our life is going down. Knowing there are dirty dishes is a constant, tiny energy drain. The next meal comes, the sink is starting to stink, we just make the pile bigger, days go by, we run out of dishes, flies are starting to accumulate, we're using cups as bowls, greatest benefit, least amount of effort, ew. This pattern is universal. It applies to finances. You know, the greatest benefit for the least amount of effort is called a credit card. And like dirty dishes, we avoid paying it off until our our debt is a giant, stinking mess. You know, it applies to relationships. What's the greatest benefit for the least amount of effort? We fight, pout, make people cater to us, you know, until we've crossed their patience thresholds too many times and they no longer trust us, or worse, they leave. And then we find a lower level person until there is one who will put up with us but they're incapable of the building kind of intimacy because they're damaged and we're unworthy of a healthy person you know and so our relationships are ever deteriorating because we don't treat people well and we only get the people who allow us to hurt them it's not good so you think what do you want the greatest benefit the least amount of effort suggest it would actually be much better to not want anything or to dream small. Then we don't have to try and feel what it feels like to fail, or worse, have people know that we failed. You know, but over time, like the dirty dishes, it creates a life for us of ever piling tasks, each of which seem to stink worse than the last until the overall quality of life is decimated, and we are left with the inevitable decision of having to clean it up because it's no longer a great benefit to ignore the problems. Now. Incidentally, that's the universal pattern for change. When the detriments, according to our comfort calculation, outweigh the benefits, we change. And people know this pattern. Even if they don't know it with their brains, they know it instinctively. I mean, we use it all the time in education. Do your homework or we will take away your comforts to a greater amount than the discomfort of doing your work. Or parents use it all the time in discipline. Do what I say or I will remove your comforts. You know or people who are new to goals and new to achievement they try to force themselves to do the action steps by implementing some kind of punishment reward system so that the discomfort of whatever the punishment is is greater than the discomfort of doing you know whatever the action steps for your goal are so this pattern this pattern is everywhere people change when the comfort balance changes also in addiction management You know, it's that rock bottom moment where people simply can't go on because the discomforts of dysfunction outweigh the discomfort of facing what we've done and become and what it will take to claw our way out. Now, all of this can be avoided. When we factor time into the benefit portion of the comfort calculation, we can plainly see it's more beneficial to suffer the pain of doing two dishes after each meal you know, or budgeting our finances so that tomorrow is better or saying no before we've had a few too many and our drug or alcohol consumption begins to threaten tomorrow's health and happiness. And the most successful people in the world are successful exactly because they factor time into their comfort calculations so that the benefits they put into tomorrow are always better than today. There is no borrowing, only investing. And in this way, the standard of living is ever going up instead of ever going down. Now, a side moment, a side note, a moment ago, I mentioned that people change when the discomfort of change outweighs the comfort of our current path. But for those of us who are builders, incidentally, there's a better way than pain. And that is inspiration. There's a way more energy and in inspiration than there is in discomfort. Like an inspired person doesn't need punishment to hyper focus and then fly. Now, You think about this, you scream at a class once, you get immediate silence. You scream at them twice and you get muttered little rebellions, like you can hear it. And if you scream at them every day, then eventually they just become emboldened and they'll scream back at you. You know, clearly this plan mixed with time, you know, leads to a lower standard of operation in the classroom. But if you inspire students, you get sustainable growth that sometimes lasts for generations. I mean, many of us have stories about that teacher that helped us to see and to grow and to become so much greater than we would have without them. My fellow builders, be that teacher, you know, and that brings us back to the power of want. Now, I really like tidy lessons, um, and we've gone through a number of big concepts very fast. So let's take a moment to tie a few things together and make it make sense. Thing one, gods are creators. And we create our lives out of our thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. And because we are limitless by nature, we would do well to be limitless in what we create. Dream big. Now, many people create a life based on avoiding what they don't want. Why? Because thing three, thing two is people, you know, create a life based on what they don't want. Thing three. The reason they do that is comfort. All behavior, motivation, and want comes from comfort, either increasing comfort or avoiding discomfort. In the case of people who live a life of defaults, their life is about avoiding discomfort. Thing four. What dictates what people find comfortable and uncomfortable are the B primes. There are patterns in nature, including human nature. And just like infinite color is made of primary colors and white light, you know, origin and extrapolations, and infinite substances are made of elements and the behavior of protons, neutrons, and electrons, again, origin and extrapolation, so also is infinite behavior made of the building blocks of B primes and the central origin of comfort. Thing 5. Dysfunction comes from neglecting to factor time into the comfort calculation. What will bring the greatest benefit for the least amount of effort when the answer leads to a better tomorrow, i.e. when we put, or meaning when we put in a small effort today and do do the, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me try that again. If we do a small amount of dishes today so that tomorrow is clean, we live well overall. But when the answer leads to debts tomorrow, meaning things get worse and worse because we're putting them all in hopes that it never catches up to us or we just say we're going to do it tomorrow we induce a life of crashing where the discomforts we create force us to change until we feel we can live with ourselves again in which case we often return to our old habits i mean you see this pattern everywhere too okay last thing thing six because behavior can be changed by causing the discomforts to outweigh the comforts many people use this pattern to try to control behavior This is like making the mistake of not taking time into account in a comfort calculation. It doesn't work long term. Inspiration does. So this brings us back to the power of want. Now that we've recapped, let's go ahead and move forward and talk about how wants and design are related. The creation of our universe started with a big mess. When our planet was created, if you've ever watched any of those CGI nature shows, the world started out in volcanoes and molten lava and the stuff that stars are made of and then gravitational forces pulled it together and things exploded and then came together again. It was utter chaos, but in time it cooled and hardened and then life came and life made it soft. And now we have this beautiful planet that we can all live on and love. Now, Could you imagine what would happen if we as creators were in the middle of making something like a planet and we saw a volcano and we got distracted and we're like, Oh my gosh, it's a volcano. And then we started running away Would we have ever finished making this beautiful world or let me take it out of the symbolic and put it into the practical. When we're inspired, when we want something that inspiration and want gives us a very real power to navigate the chaos of creation. For example, Let's say that you want a family, a bright, happy, safe, fulfilling marriage and happy children. That's what you want. So you as a creator or co-creator, because let's face it, there's more than one tiny God in this space. You go in and let's say your husband comes home and he's all volcanic and we don't even know why. He's just angry. He goes stomping around the house and don't you tell me what I should do or what I should think. Don't tell me to calm down. What's wrong with you that you can't be better? Blah, 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 blah. I mean, you can just imagine Volcano Man over here. So what do you do? Well, if you're living a life of don't want, you don't want him to yell at you. You don't want him to treat you like that. You don't feel like you deserve it. So you either fight with him or you run from him, you know, because why comfort? But let's say that in your mind, you have a very clear picture of what it is that you do want. You want a great marriage that is safe, happy, fulfilling and you want to create a world where your children are happy, you're happy, your husband is happy, and it's a great place. Now, I'm not talking jolly brainwashed happy, you know, but like there's that strong permeating peace where even if disasters and volcanoes happen, you know, we're a stable, steady, sort of all okay. You know, this, this is what we want. If you had that in your mind, that picture, and it was solid for you, and the overall objective is happiness, you know, and family, then when a volcano goes off, your response is going to be very, very different than it is if you don't have that picture, right? Or, you know, in my first lesson, I referenced having, you know, 50 noisy high school students and losing control of a class one day. They were running around, shouting, throwing things. It was amazing. You know, and in that moment, what did I want? Well, if I didn't want to be thought of as a terrible teacher, I probably would have lost my mind, right? Because clearly their behavior says that I'm not doing a good job and I could have run around and threatened them and so on. And that may or may not have worked. But the objective is education. And for me, education includes character education, helping them become solid, stable citizens and solid, stable people, you know, in addition to being able to speak English, which was what my job description was when I was working at that school and I didn't have the skill level yet to do that activity and still maintain control you know and it comes with the territory of trying new things and learning it's okay my response was to study them so I could prepare a lesson in the future that was a better match to their nature and more in line with what would help them while at the same time maintaining a learning type atmosphere in my class because I had what I wanted in my mind when the chaos happened I could find something solid to hold on to, you know, a North, a North star of navigation, if you will. If we have a very clear picture of what we want, then when the chaos of creation surrounds us, we're not going to get lost because we can navigate the chaos and very slowly guide it. Okay, well, actually, the speed with which we can guide creation is dependent on skill level. I mean, at the time for me, guidance was slow. I was still learning the language and how to manage a class that size of gifted creatives who were mislabeled as misfits, you know. And also, in working with other gods, we have to honor their free will. Under those circumstances, influence sometimes takes time. But influence is better than force or manipulation every time. For those of you who are builders, it is better to build slowly but permanently than to correct quickly but lose trust and lose a future with them. One more example of a practical application that ties some of the patterns and principles together. I had a student, and this... Let's face it, I've had many students who fit this exact same thing. But anyway, so I have the students. He's just all over the place talking, not working. He's making fart noises. He's flicking bits of paper at his classmate. He's shouting out answers. I mean, this is basic child, Peter which roughly translates into a kid with bad behavior. You know, so after a class, I take him outside. We do the whole. All right, son, we need to discuss your behavior thing. You know, but imagine this. What do you do next? Or what do you say next? I mean, think about it for a moment. Infinity stands before you. There are an infinite number of things you can say to this limitless tiny God who has an infinite number of responses available to him. So let's filter through the patterns. What do you want? What's the objective? Is it making sure he knows that I'm an authority figure? Is it making him bow to my emotions because he's caused trouble for me and he's disrupted my class and now he must pay? Is it to make him so uncomfortable that the discomfort of his behavior outweighs the comfort of causing trouble, which let's face it, we have all done. And then also we need to analyze what does he want, right? If all behavior is about comfort routed through the B primes, then why did he do what he did? You know, what does talking and throwing things and blurting out answers and fart noises all have in common? It's importance or significance, power, expression, I mean it's likely a combination but to me it seems like he's mostly doing those things for relationships he wants connection he wants responses from his classmates he wants laughter and people to love him you know and if he can't get that he'll settle for attention and now he stands in front of me with a half smirk on his face just daring me to fight him you know but he's also defensive cuz he's a little afraid of what what I'm going to do to him because maybe he went too far but he's determined not to lose face because you know that his other little classmates like I pulled him aside but they're like spying on him because they want to know how much trouble he's in <laughs> oh. okay if it was you what would you say you know or what do you want so you're engaged in creation in this moment so what are you going to create now, in this case and similar ones, I try to explain his behavior to him in terms of power and possibility. He wants to be funny, and humor is a good thing, right? And he wants to interact with his friends, and friendship is very important. Like, not everything that he did was bad, you know, and he's probably a little bored, you know, and he wants to do something else. That's understandable. We have all been bored in class before, or we've all been in classes where it was too hard and we just didn't want to feel what it felt like to not understand. So we wanted to do something else, right? But there's a relationship between his behavior and his character. Like it's good to be funny, but it's not good to take away from another person's ability to learn. So he needs to find a new way to be funny, a better way that doesn't make him look like he himself is a joke. You know, and he wants people to be able to trust him so that he can have a good life, which means that his behavior needs to be trustworthy. He can't just do things like that in my class and think that he's going to be okay. So, I, I often tie their identity to their behavior, and I, I ask, what kind of man do you want to be in the future? Are you the kind of man who throws things and makes fart noises for attention? I mean, is that really the kind of person you want to be? You're clearly very smart. But is the best way to prove that you're smart by shouting out answers so the other students can't think for themselves? I mean, they might be grateful that he gave them the answers, but does he really want to become the kind of person who does other people's thinking for him? I mean, for them, it gets to be exhausting, you know, and by now his face changes. He's less defensive. He's still not speaking to me, but I have his attention, you know, and from there, I just, I just feed him. You're very talented. You're bright. You can do anything, really anything. So always choose things that are the very, very best. Um, and then I, I let him say anything that he wants to say, and I mean it, you know, and, and send him on his way. I've said this or something. I mean, I individualize it, but I've said something like this to many of my students. Um, but to you, I would say this only works if you mean it. Like I'm not trying to manipulate him so that I can gain leverage in my class. And that's, that's why it works. Like I'm, I'm sincere. I do value my students, even if they have bad behavior. So if, if some of you were to memorize what I just said and turn it into something like you're a God and you need to shape up, it's not going to work for you. Because if all you care about is power, they will be able to smell it. Now, how do I know? Because it wouldn't work on you either. I mean, you think about this. If somebody comes to you and they're very complimentary, but all they really want is for you to submit to them and give them power over your behavior, you know it. Like you might not be able to place it, but you can smell it and you don't want any part of it. It's disgusting. So don't do it to other people. All right. Now that's the end of the lesson. I want to do a recap and then give you some exercises you can try should you like to build power and skills in this area, you know, and then we'll call it good. So you are a God, a creator by nature. You've created this life, your life, either out of what you want or more likely out of avoiding the things that you don't want. But your life is made from a simple calculation where you determine what will give you the what will give you the greatest benefit for the least amount of effort and your benefit is determined by your b primes b primes are the universal wants or needs so something is only beneficial if it fills a need and comfort is the universal motivation so comfort comes from having your wants or needs satisfied discomfort comes from deficiency or desire and your life as far as made out of how you've calculated your benefits in terms of your b primes in relation to time The way to live a life of power is to be guided by want and inspiration. So what inspires you? What do you want? If you're very clear about what you want, that want will act as solid ground or a guiding star. So when the chaos of creation rises up around you, you will know what to do. And if you create after what you want, instead of after avoiding what you don't want, you will have power, stability, and a measure of peace. Now, here's how to get there from here. You need to know what you want. Your homework would be to do a very in-depth ponder session where you go on a very long walk or you fill up a notebook or you meditate open your internal thinking lab and start wargaming. Like whatever your method is for figuring things out, get there and then truly figure out what it is that you want in every area of your life. Now, when you do that, here a couple of cautions. When I ask people what they want, they will tell me what they don't want. When I push, but what do you want? I'm often met with what they don't want reframed as wants. You know, so if they don't want to go to work, it becomes, I want to not work so much. But it's still about avoiding discomfort. You know, and then because nobody likes what it feels like to be stupid, you know, and oddly many people Oddly enough, sorry. Oddly enough, many people seem to feel like they should somehow just know what they want even though they haven't gone through the work necessary to figure it out, You know, and they don't want to appear to be aimless, they'll answer with a defendable answer like, I want a million dollars. Okay, who doesn't want a million dollars? But there is no power or inspiration behind this kind of answer because it's not what they really want. Are they willing to take finance classes? Are they willing to start a business? Are they willing to do the training necessary to break into a multi-million dollar profession? Of course not, because they don't actually care about the million dollars. That's not what they really want. And that moment when they say they want a million dollars, what they really want is for me to stop pushing them about what they want. People who really, really want a million dollars find a way to own a million dollars. That's the power of want. It makes a path to achievement. So, some people... Some people also go the face-it-and-confess road. You know, they quietly confess to me that what they really want deep down is to live alone with unfettered access to junk food, TV or video games, and indiscriminate sexual relations. Okay, got it. You're tired and in pain and you need energy. Because that's what all of those things have in common. Those are numbing agents. That's not real want. You know, we know because there's no fire behind it. And oddly enough, People who say that's what they want or fear that that's what they want, if you look at the actual circumstances of their life, they already have those things. They're already spending hours and hours on their screens eating junk food and they indulge in either porn or whatever they feel they can get, but they're not happy. Meaning what they think they want isn't what they actually want because in this case, they just want to feel better. That's still avoiding discomfort. But once you can see stuff like that for what it is, avoidance and hunger you can find a new way to tend to your B primes, particularly in the area of significance, relationships, and expression, and then heal. You know, we'll discuss that at length in later lessons. So get past all of those things, if those are in your initial response to the question, what do you want? And don't be ashamed that you have wants that are perhaps less than godly, you know, but instead, listen to to the part of you that is great. And if you do, you will find what it is that you really want And then life will become so much more manageable. You know, and if that's too big, break it down to the B primes. What do you want for your body? What do you want in terms of power or freedom? What do you want for your relationships? What do you want for movement or for growth? You know, what do you want in terms of expression? And what do you want in terms of safety and stability? You go through those things and it might help you um, have areas or categories where you can start to figure these things out. Okay, we are so happy that you joined us, and we hope that you will join us next time where we talk about or continue our foundations in Godhood, um, and talk about knowing how knowing who you are and what you want will give you additional power. So it's it's more of the implications of this lesson and the first lesson. It's gonna be great. So I hope you will join us then. All right, Eineman, Shaka, love you.